This episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses Plus. One of the things I love about The Great Courses Plus is it's learning without the pressure of test papers and grades. They offer a chance for in-depth learning at your own pace, whether it's you, your child, or maybe even someone you purchased a subscription for. After all, the holidays are right around the corner and The Great Courses Plus is a streaming service with something for everyone. Personally, I love it because I can satisfy my curiosity about any subject, and then when I chill out with my hubby and my kids and we watch together, it starts an interesting conversation. So we aren't just staring at screens, we're learning and we're building our relationship too. Right now, my listeners can get unlimited access to their entire library for free at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash mightyparenting. You can check it out and see all they have at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash mightyparenting and sign up today. This episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by Inward Bound Mindfulness Education, IBME. The staff at IBME knows what mindfulness can do for us, how it can help with deep listening skills, self-awareness, and communication. They also know how it can bring peace and help heal us emotionally. With the heated election season we're experiencing, IBME has created a space for teens and adults to all find a little refuge after the election. A shelter in the storm, post-election refuge mindfulness retreats for all ages, begins on November 13th. It's an event that you or your teen can attend individually or together. In the retreat, you'll learn skills for sustaining a home practice and bringing more ease and compassion into your life and your relationships. Just visit ibme.com and click the link on the picture that says fall events are here to find the all ages retreat or simply click on the link in today's show notes to go directly to the page. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. I want to thank you for your support of this show. Whether you are here listening, you're sharing the podcast with other parents, sending in questions, or checking out our sponsors, I appreciate it. You are helping me grow and reach more parents and stay on the air as well. So I appreciate you doing that. And to make it easier for you, in addition to Mighty Parenting being on all the major podcast apps, we also have a player on the website. So if you have friends who are new to podcasts or who prefer listening on a computer, they can simply go to mightyparenting.com, click on podcast in the menu bar, and then pick whatever episode they want to listen to. When they click on the episode, there is a player right there for them. So that is easy peasy. And speaking of easy peasy, there is something that parents have to deal with that isn't so easy peasy. And it has to do with our girls, but parents of boys, I want you to stay around because there's message in here for you too. And your boys are going to be dealing with girl drama. So if you have a better understanding, you can then help your boys navigate it better. So there is girl drama. I let the cat out of the bag there already, right? We're going to be talking about that today because it comes with the teen years. In fact, probably starts in tween years or even younger. 
but everything from friendship crises to school stress to unexpected meltdowns can get our girls going and really bring on strong emotions for them. All this drama is hard on them and it's hard on parents. Helping us unwind this and find a better path forward is Sherry Gazit. Sherry is a teen life coach who supports teens and parents through those tumultuous years, and she is the mother of three daughters, so she knows about this firsthand. Sherry, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Sherry, you are an expert in this, this girl drama. Where does all of this come from? Like what's really driving this? So for girls, um, for boys as well, but more for girls, their social connections are extremely important. And, you know, starts from a young age, but it really kind of um, takes hold in middle school when our girls begin to have an overload of oxytocin in their brains. And that oxytocin is the same chemical that kind of is spit out when a mom is nursing a baby. It's all about bonding and the social bond. So they really, that's what they're craving is they're looking around for who they can connect with. And that's like one of the most important things for them. So that's where this whole idea of girl drama comes in because it is so important to them. Okay, that's really interesting because I have never heard anyone talk about the brain changes being the driving factor for this. Mm -hmm. Well, in brain changes, we've also got their brain remodeling so that the amygdala, which is all about emotions, is kind of ruling the roost. So we have this importance on their social connections and then the emotions that are going along with that are heightened and are bigger and better than ever. I know I remember my husband would laugh because we had been homeschooling our girls for a while and they went back into the school system in seventh and ninth grade. And we would be talking about who they sat with at lunch. And he's just like, what? Of all the things, it's lunch. Who cares? It's just lunch. And I'm just like, you do not get this. You do not have to get this. Just trust me, it's important. <laughs> Right. It is. I wrote a blog post actually about school lunch because it is so important. And it's not just about eating. It's about who are your social connections. And I have a high schooler still, and that's a big topic of discussion, like who she's sitting with. And if they don't leave room at the table, that's a whole nother piece of the puzzle. What does that mean? Are they mad at me? Do they not want me in the group? There's just so many nuances to it. So I'm just thinking this through and going, they're looking for social connection, but why does that turn into drama? Why is it so intense and so roller coaster up and down? Right. So, um, you know, like I was talking about the brain chemicals, you've got the emotions that are kind of in hyperdrive. But the other thing is that you know, starting in middle school, and this continues through high school and into college and even into the adult years. I see this with a lot of women that I know and just, you know, in general in the community, but we have to learn how to have these social connections, how to have conflict with people around us, how if our feelings are hurt, how to talk it out, how if we don't agree with somebody, how do we confront them about it? And those are skills you really have to learn. And while these girls are wanting to have these connections, 
they don't really know how to deal with things that come up. So what happens is kind of what we think of as the mean girl things where the girls are talking behind each other's back. They are talking to anybody but the person they're upset with. Um, you know, they start now that we have social media, they start posting passive aggressive comments on social media. So they do all of these things to avoid a one-on-one -on -one confrontation because they see that as something negative. So they're going to do everything kind of trying all these other ways out, except for having that conflict resolution and that conflict um, conversation. And I heard you say they're trying all of these things out. So they're, they're just, like you said, they're learning, they're testing. And if we as parents and in particular, I was going to say in particular moms, but maybe guys have a better handle on it. I don't know. Maybe the dads have a, have a better handle on this than, than we do. Because I think what you've said here is that you've seen this go into the college and, and beyond into adult years is that women need to learn how to manage these social connections and we don't necessarily learn. I mean, if we don't figure that out on our own, no one's teaching a class in managing your social network. Right. Mm -hmm. And managing conflict and disagreement. So, um, you know, I, I hear the term mean girl a lot and I really don't like it because I think everybody has mean behaviors, girls and boys, but um, really what these behaviors are, are just behaviors that they tried out that aren't so nice. And all of us, you know, all of us grown women can think back to a time in our life where we did some things that weren't the best choices as far as our friends and our social connections. Like it, we either spread a rumor, or we talked bad about somebody, or we were mean to somebody or excluded somebody. These are all things that people do. It doesn't make that person mean because they did this one behavior. So I would love for that term to go away. You know, there are mean behaviors, but I don't like to just say, oh, she's a mean girl, because we hear that a lot. And we actually hear that from adult women a lot that actually label the younger girls as that in their high school and you know college years. Oh, she's just a mean girl. So I'd love to get away from that term. That makes a lot of sense. And it also makes sense that if girls are testing out various behaviors, if they try things that are mean behaviors and it gets them what they want in the moment, mm -hmm. then they would think that that's the right way to handle it because they tried something and it actually worked. So really, rather than labeling them, it sounds like it's our job to teach them how to manage conflict and deal with disagreement. Right. And you hit the nail on the head. Like if you think about clicks and the queen bee, we hear a lot about that. The queen bee is the one who has figured out how to, how to um, have, what would the term be? Like really how to deal with these social situations to get herself on top. And, um, you know, maybe she did spread a rumor and then that person kind of went out of the group and now all of a sudden she's the queen bee. She's like, oh, okay, I got what I wanted. Now everybody loves me in this group. I get to call the shots. So I'm going to do that again if somebody else comes and kind of threatens my queen bee status. So what, what do you find that we as parents, what mistakes we might be making in handling some of those situations? Let's say that our, our daughter's caught up with a group or she's the queen bee of a group. 
and maybe we see what's going on and we're not crazy about what's going on, what kinds of things do we tend to do that might not be helping that situation mm -hmm. a lot? Okay, so I want to go back to the first part of like just what we can do as parents. I think one of the things that especially for women raising girls is we have to think about the baggage that we're bringing into it. I often see moms are reverting back to their middle school, high school, college years and when they were in that situation. So they're bringing into this relationship with their daughter all of this emotional baggage. Maybe they were bullied. Maybe they were the queen bee. Maybe they wanted to be the queen bee and they weren't. Maybe other girls were mean to her. So I see a lot of moms bringing that into the situation at hand. So instead of them kind of being the adult and helping to coach them of how to have these conflicts or how to deal with people, they're really speaking from their own teenage experience and from their own teenage self. So a lot of moms will start bad mouthing the other people in the situation. Like, oh, she's such a bitch, or she's so mean, or I can't believe she did that. Um, you know, just building up more drama instead of stepping back and being the adult in this situation. So that's probably the most common mistake that I see parents make. Okay, so what can we do instead of that? So the first thing is put your baggage at the door. If your daughter comes to you with a situation, really stop and take a moment to reflect on your own life and what you're bringing into that. Maybe you can relate to it because something happened to you along those lines, but make sure that you're not giving uh, advice based on you reacting emotionally. So that's the first thing, leave your baggage at the door. The second thing is really to listen to them because a lot of times when your kids come to you, they don't want you to fix it. They're not talking about you like coming in and being intrusive, showing up at the school. Of course, that's not gonna happen, hopefully. Um, so you just want to be able to listen and let them vent. A lot of times that's all they need in these situations. And then the other thing is we can offer advice, but you need to ask them if they want it. So listen first. And then what I like to say is, do you just want to vent or would you like my advice? And then you know, if there's a, a moment they'll actually listen, then you can offer up your advice. Also validate their feelings. This is super important that if they are mad or if they're sad, or if they're feeling isolated, that you're not trying to say, no, you shouldn't feel like that. Don't let that girl bother you. She's not worth it. Like really validate how they're feeling. And I think that's the most important thing that we can do. And then that's, you know, if they are allowing us to give them advice, then we can start to talk to them about how you actually go to someone if you're upset with them. Instead of going to everyone else, talking to all the other girls you know, except for the person that you're upset with. So I think that's a really good place to start. So when I really like that, and one of the thoughts that I'm having is you've said that we all need to learn to navigate social situations, and maybe we didn't actually learn effective ways ourselves. It, honestly, a lot of us women have trouble still as adults navigating right. social situations with ease and grace, right? And I like that the first thing we can do, though, is just simply teach them to go to the person who they are actually upset with. Because you said that earlier, that what happens is they do everything but that. They're trying all these mm -hmm. other things. And I'm kind of curious, what makes us 
not do that? Why do we, why do we not go to the person we're upset with? So it's really this weird juxtaposition. So girls are very nurturing by nature and kind and loving. And they don't want to go to that person because they don't want to hurt their feelings. And they don't want to see that person reacting, maybe crying or upset. So they avoid that uncomfortable emotional moment. So they go and they talk to everybody else in the world about it to avoid that one single uncomfortable moment. So if we can teach our daughters, it's okay for that person to be upset with you, to be angry, to be sad. That's their emotion and they have a right to those emotions, but you also have a right to set your boundaries and to say what you need from your friends and your acquaintances. So it's worth that moment to actually go and talk to that person. And in addition to that, you started that out, you prefaced those comments by saying that they are caring. They're generally speaking wired to be that way. So also helping them think through the fact that you not saying it to this person doesn't mean they're not going to be hurt. And in fact, Mm -hmm. can be hurt more because they hear that you're talking to everybody else about them. So now they have that double piece of one, they're hurt by whatever it is that you need to talk to them about that you're not talking to them about. And two, they have the hurt of anything, any fallout from that, any embarrassment or frustration or just the, the fact that they were the only one left out of the conversation. Exactly. Well, and it's very interesting because a lot of times when I can like coach my clients or my own kids to go and have those one-on-one confrontations or conversations, then it's usually just so much less than what they thought it was going to be. Instead of it becoming this big blown up situation, they have one conversation and it's done with. And um, so when they can start to see that happening, then they're like, okay, this is way worth it to go talk to this one person versus spreading this around the whole school. I'm thinking about this and I'm just, I'm chuckling because I'm thinking about from an adult standpoint. And I know I, as an adult, will do this too. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll avoid the uncomfortable moment or at least think about avoiding the uncomfortable moment until I can wrap my head around it and go, just get it over with. Right. Yes, that's uncomfortable, but that's all it is. It's it's just an uncomfortable moment. There's nothing else bad about this. So dive in, wade through it, and come out the other side instead of standing here wallowing in the muck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, that girls just, they don't want that confrontation so much. They'll do anything to avoid it. But we can just really coach them from the sidelines and in an unemotional way that we're not like, you need to go tell her how it is and, you know, give it to her. You know, that's not what we're going for. We're going for a calm conversation. And so we can actually walk them through the steps. You know, if it's a friend, the first thing you need to do is to tell them how much you appreciate them. The second thing is you can say how you felt about a certain situation. And then you can go on to say, um, and this is what I need in the future. So um, let's do an example real quick. A person likes a boy and doesn't tell their friend. So they could, the friend could come and have the conversation that would sound like this. You know, I, I really like you as a friend. I'm so glad we get to spend so much time together. But I really feel like you deceived me by going and talking to, let's say, John, um, even though you know that I like him. 
in the future, can you just tell me if you're interested in somebody and then we can talk it out? And that's all it would be. Interesting. I like that. In the future, could you? <laughs> yeah. So I was looking for a solution. Like I don't encourage girls to go and just have conflict for the sake of conflict. Like you need to figure out what you want from it. Are you going to talk to your friend because you don't want to be their friend anymore? And that's your future solution that you're not going to hang out anymore. Or do you want them to be your friend, but stop trying to take the guy that you like, or that you, you know, need to talk about it ahead of time. So you're not caught off guard by it. One of the things you talked about was our baggage. So when our daughter comes to us telling us about what's going on, it could be very triggering for us. Mm-hmm. And that could be paired with not really knowing yet how to handle social connections really well on our own part. I hear what you're telling us to do with our girls. And I can also see where that could be extremely difficult mm-hmm. in, a, in a moment, in a situation. Have you found any, anything that helps, helps moms to set aside their own feelings in that moment to deal with the triggers or, or should we tell our girls, Hey, I need a minute. I like, I have to deal with my emotions around my high school years first, and then I'll talk to you. What, what's a path for doing that? Yeah. I mean, one of the pieces is that listening, right? So if you are truly listening, you're listening to what your daughter has to say, and you're not inside internally, you know, working on your issues. So that's one way that you can stay out of the emotional piece for yourself is by truly, fully listening to your daughter. But the other thing is, like you mentioned, if it is very triggering, because for some people, they may have had some very traumatic bullying going on or some really intense friendship breakups with somebody. If that's the case, the best thing is to say, you know, I hear you and I just need a minute and to go like maybe journal or take a walk or something and then come back so that you're able to do it after those emotions have kind of quieted down a little bit. Now, one thing that a lot of parents will do in that situation is start to say what they went through. And um, there's a time and place for that. But when your daughter's in it, like in that moment, that's not the time to tell about your own situation because then it becomes about you and not about them. And that would also help you to deal with your own feelings. I think, like you said, if you're listening, really listening to them and staying focused on just what they're saying, that can help us stay out of our own Mm -hmm. stories because we're not focusing back in on that. Right. And so it may be in that moment, you're able to keep it together. And, but then you go and you kind of process your own stuff later on, you know, and like taking a bubble bath or shower or whatever, you know, however you think, go do that. And, or maybe you journal, maybe you talk to a, a friend, an adult friend about it. But, um, yeah, just kind of making sure in that moment, you're not just kind of letting that all out on your daughter because she's not going to want to come to you anymore. When I ask teens, why don't you go to your mom about this or your dad? They'll always say, cause they make it about them or they blow it up bigger than it is. And we've heard that about other things as well is mm-hmm. why didn't you go to your mom and dad about fill in the blank? And we've heard things like the, you know, make it about them, blow it up bigger than it is. They'll go do something about it. Like they'll go talk to the parents. They'll take it into school and talk to principals and teachers, which it goes back to that blowing up bigger than it is idea, I think. Mm -hmm. 
So how does the world of texting and social media play into this? I, as we're having this conversation, I keep envisioning these in-person face-to-face conversations <laughs> between the girls. Is that yeah. actually what they'll do or does this happen via text? How is this actually happening in this day and age? Mm-hmm. This is an interesting point you bring up because it's really funny when I talk to teens, um, you know, and this goes all the way through college because that's what they use is they use technology to communicate. So the, I'll say, did you, were you able to talk to your friend about this? And they say, yeah, I talked to them, you know, yesterday, blah, blah, blah. And I'll, and I have to stop them. I say, did you actually talk to them or were you texting them? Because they use the words interchangeably now. And I would say 96% of the time, if not 99% of the time, they were actually texting, not talking. So um, the issue with that, as you can imagine, is there's a lot of reading between the lines. There's a lot of guessing what the emotional content was there because, you know, emojis can't really do it all. And so there's a lot of misunderstandings that way. So I always, always encourage girls and women to have these difficult conversations in either in person or on a phone call or Zoom or something like that, not through text, so that there's nothing that kind of falls in between the lines and is read into it that really isn't accurate. So ideally, we would actually be in person in the same space so that we can fully read body language and things. Because I know I've read some articles that have said that FaceTiming and, and video meetings and things that we still don't get the full experience of micro expressions and body language that we do when we're in person. So ideally they would have an actual face-to-face in-person mm-hmm. conversation. If they can't right. do that for whatever reason, then a video, but definitely not texting it. Yeah. And having said that, I mean, that's the perfect world, Sandy, but really a lot of them are going to do it via text. Yeah. So we have to coach them through that too, because it, it's interesting. The like in high school, they expect a response when then like five to 10 seconds. So they might send something. And then if they don't get a response, they're already reading into it. Mm-hmm. Oh, she doesn't like me anymore. She's still mad at me. Um, or if they're in the middle of a conversation and all of a sudden she's not responding, maybe it's because her parents came in and said it's dinner time or you need to do some chores but that's not how they're interpreting it. So yeah, we just need to coach them through that if they are doing it on text, but really encourage the the in-person. And and the other piece of the in-person is that our emotions are partially energy. So when you walk into a room and everybody's mad, you just feel that energy. Or if they're sad or if they're content, you can feel that difference. So that's another reason why being in-person is better. Yeah. And there are just so many things that can happen. So if our kids are doing it via text, though, a couple things for us to be aware of in coaching them are their reaction to the time lapses. I know I have heard that. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that there's no emotional expression. Mm-hmm. So you might need to ask some very specific clarifying questions to understand, make sure you understand what this person is actually saying. Right. And when they're giving their interpretation of what is happening, you can offer alternatives or ask the question, are you sure that they're mad at you? Or why else do you think they might not have gotten back to you quickly? So that you have them thinking outside the box. And then 
the other thing to follow up I will ask is, what do you think is the most likely one that's true? Oh, I like that. Okay. All right. And then last question I wanted to ask you about was the boys mm-hmm. in that we're talking high school and college and, and again, even the tween years and elementary now too, but the boys have to deal with the girls. Mm-hmm. So are there tips you have for parents of the boys for helping them navigate the girl drama? Yeah. I mean, the best advice is to stay out of it, you know, to not try to be the mediator, <laughs> not get involved. I mean, it's a whole different world. So, um, I, I do feel for boys when they're just like in the thick of it. Um, we hear a lot about it, like at the lunch table, even who's sitting by who or how they said what, um, yeah, I mean, I just think to, and the interesting thing is the boys for the most part don't really get caught up in it as much of, as the girls. One of the big reasons is that girls tend to, at the end of the day, think back over all of their social interactions and kind of analyze them. Like, oh, in math class, I talked to so-and-so and she gave me this look. So I'm not sure if she likes me or if she doesn't want me to talk to her. Or, you know, after school, I texted so-and-so, she didn't get right back to me. And again, analyzing every piece where boys are, they're just not like that in general. They're like, the day's done, time to go to bed. All right. So overall, as parents, just kind of summarizing here, hitting a few high points, we need to remember that as our girls are hitting roughly middle school age, their brains, their hormones are changing, they're kicking in, and it's going to drive them to look for social interaction and social connection. But they don't know how to manage it. So we want to help them learn to do that. And when we do that, as we teach about everything here in Mighty Parenting, don't try to do it for them. Don't don't put your story in there. Listen, really listen, honestly, and without judgment listen to them and then encourage them to take the three steps that you told us about Sherry, go talk to a friend, tell them how much they appreciate them, how they felt in the situation and what they want from them in the future. Mm -hmm. And then have some patience and some understanding and give them time to learn because I think we also forget as parents that doing something once doesn't mean that they know how to do it that they can just do it all the time. It's going to take some practice. And if your boy is like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. Just give them a heads up that kind of, you know, in a very general sense, Hey, this is what's happening. They are really trying to figure out how to navigate social connection and drama, you know, really trying to avoid conflict. So you just stay out of it. Don't be the mediator. Don't be a go between. Don't get involved that way. Just Mm kind of keep your space. And if they themselves are experiencing the boy drama, I'm going to, or girl drama, I'm going to toss one in here is if they're having a problem with their girlfriend, with someone they're dating or a good female friend, they may need to take on the task of being the person to initiate that uncomfortable conversation. Yes. I love that. That's great advice. Yeah. Thank you, Sherry, for being here with us and for having this conversation. We will, of course, put your website in our show notes. But for people who want to pop on there right now, (laughs) could you let them know where they can find you? Yes, they can find me at teenyseattle.com. And I also, if anybody has girls in middle school, I would highly recommend you connect with me through Facebook. Just look for MomWise Club. And that one's specifically for girls in middle school, parents of girls in middle school. 
And then um, there's another Facebook group for everybody, and that's um, Teen Wise Parents. Great. Well, Sherry, thank you again for joining us today and for sharing such great insights with us. Thank you. It's a good conversation. I appreciate it. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed this podcast or found any value in it, then I ask you to share it so that another parent can get the same value. You can also rate and review it. That helps other parents find us as well. Remember to visit MightyParenting.com, grab your free email series on how to talk to your teen. And thank you so much for joining us today and being part of the Mighty Parenting community. Remember, you are a mighty parent. You got this. And I will see you next week.